A DA calls in and sets us straight what to do after a breakup when you move far from home. And Jason and I talk Mike Nichols, all this and more on How Did This Get Made? Mini episode, hit the theme! the doors to protect from the zombies and put on a podcast and you leave it too tall john sheer to get you feeling right don't worry about the media that's coming 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 it's the Hello, people of Earth, and welcome to a How Did This Get Made mini episode. I am Paul Shear. How are you? How the hell are you? Um, I feel like as a country, there is some optimism. I feel like this vaccine is getting out in L.A. where we've been clamped down under lockdown for so long. There is an air. There's a lightness coming. I'm not saying I'm running out to, uh, you know, Go to the movie theater. Anyway, I'm not running out and doing that, but I'm feeling optimistic. I hope you're all feeling optimistic as well. Um, and we are on a string, a string of hits. I want to give a, a big shout out to our producer, Avril Halley, for pulling these movies that are making this show so much fun for us. Um, what do you need to know? I've already talked a lot, but have I said anything of importance? No, I haven't. This is a How Did This Get Made mini episode. It's the first time you're listening to the mini episode. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to sit back. You're going to relax. You're going to hear me talk about what we might have missed in the episode. You're going to hear me and Jason talk about what we've been watching and getting into. And I'm going to help you with your life problems. But before we end, before we finish the whole thing, I'm going to tell you what we get to watch next week. And boy, oh boy. It's, again, I don't want to, like, affect our streak. It might be one of my favorite How Did This Get Made movies. Anyway, uh, a big thank you to Honest Jams. That was a great track there to open us up. Um, What do I want to tell you about? Well, there's so many things. Uh, You know that you can find me right now on Twitch. I've become a streamer. I love it. I really, truly, really, really love it. Um, Why do I love it? Because it reminds me of what I love to do, which is perform on stage. And I did that once a week um, at UCB and, uh, you know, once or twice a month at Largo. And it gives me that connection. Twitch is great. I know that I had a a preconceived notion of what it was. It's not that. It's just like YouTube. So visit me now at twitch.tv slash friendzone. Twitch.tv slash friendzone because we're opening it up. We had David Wayne doing a piano bar. This week, we're going to have my friend Courtney McBroom do a cooking class on there. Rob and I host our show every Thursday. Jason and I are doing a live core chat. Um, actually, if you're listening to this today, Friday. Um, so check it all out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Jason's uh, show on HBO Max is into its second season. If you've not seen this show, it is uh, called Close Enough Season 2 on HBO Max. It's so funny. JJ Quintel. Love that. Uh, the Jane Club, of course. You can always visit thejaneclub.com. Um And now, I don't need to plug anything else because it's time for me to pay attention to you. That's right. I want to hear your problems. You give me a call 
That's 619-P-A-U-L-A-S-K. That's 619-Paul-Ask. You ask me for my advice, and I think I give pretty damn good advice. And it is time now for me to turn that sign on my door. The doctor is in. The session has begun. Hit the theme. I don't know what to do, but Paulie, he got the helpline. You're gonna take time and leave you feeling fine. It's the helpline. Thank you, Dave Tanner. Love it. All right, let's get into it. Abigail from NOLA. Hi, Paul. Um, This is Abigail from New Orleans, in New Orleans. Um, I have a bit of a quandary that I would love a third-party... objective opinion on. So about a year and a half ago, I moved from where I am from, the Virginia, Maryland area to New Orleans to um, for a job and also to live with my boyfriend. And as many people did, I'm sure, um, once the pandemic hit and we were kind of forced to be together 24-7, we both kind of realized that we aren't really compatible in the long term, and unfortunately, we broke up, which is, you know, totally fine. We were very mature about it, but now I have a decision to make. Um, I could stay in the New Orleans area. I do really, really like the city. Um, however, because the pandemic hit, um, like, two months after we arrived, I don't really have any friends here. I really enjoy my job here, um, but that's about it. I'm loving my job and loving the city. Or I could move back home um, where I have um, a bigger support system. Um, It's much lower cost of living. Um, A lot of my college friends are there. My family is there. Um, But I would have to find a new job and, of course, move all the way across the country again. So I'm just kind of curious, like, what someone, you know, who doesn't know me, doesn't, you know, know um, the situation, what you would have to say about it. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts would be. So thank you. I love the show. Have a good day. Abigail, first of all, this is what I want to hear. This is a good question. Great background. You're giving me so much intel. Here's the thing. I love my friends. They are my, they are the reason in many respects, why I would never want to leave L.A. because I want to be close to them. But in this pandemic, I'm not seeing them. And you're not going to be able to meet new friends until you get out of your house and you're in a zone right now where you can't really do that. If you like New Orleans, stay in New Orleans. Give it a year. But you can't count this year because of the pandemic. You like your job? Stay in New Orleans. Is it expensive? Sure. But don't go back home if anything is making you want to stay in New Orleans. You can't judge who you have or who you know. It's going to be a while before things normalize. But I'm going to believe that just based on the sound of your voice, the pep in your step, you will be able to make friends there. Um, I don't know. I feel like why move during a pandemic? I, I just I My gut is telling you to stay. Am I right? Am I wrong, people? Let me know in Twitter. Let me know on Discord, which is discord.gg slash hdtgm. Um, 
Because I really do believe that there's something that wants you to stay there. And I'm also going to say, I'm sorry for your breakup. But I also feel like, wow, you handled that really, really well. Uh, Better than me. Um, So good for you, Abigail. Stay in NOLA. Conquer it. uh, And see what you get. I don't know when we're returning back to normal. But it says, you know, Biden says by May, everyone who wants a vaccine will have one. So maybe we'll be in a good spot. I don't know. I don't know. NOLA is like one of the most party cities too, so I understand how it's really hard to meet anybody. Anyway, Abigail, that's my gut right now. It seems like the positives outweigh the negatives in this moment. If you feel like you're going back home with your tail between your legs, do not do it. doesn't seem like you are, but it seems like you could be, so don't do it. Uh, Sam in Salt Lake City. Paul, this is Sam in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, quick question. Um, my hair has been starting to thin as of late, I was like, not noticeably thin, you know, to an everyday person, my hair is just the same as it's always been, but to me, I'm noticing some thinning. Last summer, I shaved my head just for fun, and I quite liked it, but my wife hated it. So, how can I convince my wife to let me just shave my head and have her be happy with it, because I don't want to be a bald guy? Yeah, I want to be bald on my own terms. So how can I do that, Paul? Also, P.S., about pizza reheating, it's acceptable in the air fryer. Try it out. Thanks, Paul. Sam, I love this question. Yes, look, there's a great podcast. It's called Bald Talk. Uh, Charlie Sanders, Brian Husky, they host it. They get into all bald issues. So dip your toe in there. Find out advice. Um, what I'll tell you as a bald man, what people don't want to tell you is exactly what you learned. Shave that shit down. You control it. I know your wife doesn't like it, but she ain't going to like the other version of it. I swear to God. And June didn't like it when I finally like kind of trimmed back my side hair, my, my, uh, whatever you call my, my runners. Uh, and She's like, nope, 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 nope. But you know what? And then she's like, actually, I think it's better. And I was like, I knew it. Sometimes you have to trust your gut. I know you have to maybe have an honest conversation with your wife too. Be like, this is going south. Let me dictate it. And I'll look younger. Pitch that. You'll always look younger. A bald man will always look younger because you don't age with no hair. That's the one benefit. Um, so I say, God bless. Good luck, Sam. If your wife is listening, I'll say this. Wife, I wish I knew your name. I know I don't. Trust Sam right here. He's a man going through one of the most traumatic things a man can go through. Let him deal with it the way that he wants to and be open to enjoy it. Maybe you want a little bit more stubble than a little bit more of Mr. Clean. Maybe you want to go down to a one or one and a half. Those are options. A two even. Who knows? Play with it. You don't have to go all the way down to Chrome Dome. All right. Anyway, uh, thank you, Sam. Uh, thank you, Sam's wife. And thank you, Abigail. Let's close up the Q's, the A's, the advice. And I'll join you next week. Give me a call at 619-728-5275. And you can ask me any question about your personal life. I am here for you. Also, I want you to be there for me. When you send me an original listener song, send me something, please, and send it to howdidthisgetmade at earwolf.com. Remember, brevity is the key. 
in these songs. You've heard some great songs already, like I said, uh, from our great man, our great man, <laughs> from our great man, Dan, Dan Dave Tanner, and uh, from Honest Jams. I love that Honest Jams song. Um, all right, so send it to How Did This Get Made? Brevity is the key. I say it one more time. Brevity is the key. What's brevity? 30 seconds or less. 15 seconds or less is even better. Anyway, we'll be right back after this commercial break. People, while you're preparing for next week, it seems like we might have dropped the ball on some things from last week's episode. We are turning the show over to you right now as you give us some corrections and omissions. Corrections and omissions. Thank you, Bionic Limbs. Wow. Liking this song. Uh, We have culled through the dozens of voicemails, the hundreds of message board posts on Earwolf.com, and the brand new How Did This Get Made? Oh, I love it. The Discord. That is discord.com. GG slash HDTGM. And I got to tell you, the crew that is running it, top notch, A plus. They're great. I wish I had, well, you know what? I have great moderators. I have actually great moderators in my Discord. I, I don't even want to say. I just love the passion that they have for this show. And I love my moderators as well. I don't even know why for a second I was going to throw my amazing moderators under the bus. I don't need to do that. I'm going to say this. How did this get made? Has as good moderators as I do on my discord which is discord.tg slash Paul Shear. anyway I don't want to I want to have a battle here anyway all I'll say is this get on the discord get into it um all right the discord was popping this week Dr. Guts writes I know body of evidence was briefly mentioned in the episode but they didn't acknowledge the fact that it has virtually the exact same opening as Jade both movies begin with an exterior shot of a mansion on a foggy stormy night followed by a visual tour inside the house while you hear muffled sounds coming from another room cut to an old man found dead while the police have glib conversations as they investigate the crime scene damn Dr. Guts you remember that movie and as you remembered it I remembered it in your damn 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 right. I mean, this is a time where Joe Esterhouse, even though that I don't believe Body of Evidence was a Joe Esterhouse movie, uh, was just, we were just cutting them, cutting them, cookie cutters. We want sex. We felt like sex was so dirty. Uh, so uh, great call there, Dr. Guts. I like that you remember the movies uh, because we sure as shit don't. All right, Cambert. Oh, I love Cambert on the Discord. Cambert writes, must quickly talk about the pubic hair tins, specifically Jade's. So all the tins had names of the girls engraved on them, but Jade's had her name in Chinese on it. It's weird. First, Jade's name is not a real name. It's an alter ego. Masked man knew who Jade really was. So why use her alias on the tin? If you had Jade written in English, it's not going to tip people off to it being Fiorentino. It's just adding a level of mystery and confusion that goes nowhere. I mean, exactly. It just gives you a moment for him to go to that weird poker game and find out it was Jade, but maybe it was like a private joke. There was something about it like, oh, I'm going to even fuel you even more by really creating this alter ego. Maybe they were all just really into cosplay. So that tin was like really one of the first cosplay tins. Um, ew, so gross. Again, the only reason why there are tins in that movie I said it in the podcast, Robert Evans, real life. I'm sure he's like, add it in, add it in, kid. Um, man, so many great Robert Evans stories. 
Watch Kid Stays in the Picture if you've never seen it. Ghostbag writes, having lived in San Francisco for a couple of years, one scene that rang absolutely false is when Caruso walks up to a security gate in front of the building and simply turns the handle and walks in. These decorative security gates are a staple of the Bay Area landscape, and I can guarantee that each and every one are locked tight. Thank you, Ghostbag, for letting me know that SF has high security. All right, let's go to the phones. Connor in Atlanta. Hi, Paul. This is Connor from Atlanta um, calling with correction or mission. Um, so I was listening to the podcast, and you, Jason, and June were talking about the fact that Chaz got away with the murder and that David Crusoe lost. Um, what I think was forgotten was that in the beginning, when he's first investigating that original murder, he finds the anchor cufflink at the house and tells the other investigator not to log it yet and to hold on to it. And he kind of holds on to that through the thing. And then later in the movie, we see that Chaz has the other cufflink. And so he's the one that was missing it. But that cufflink never came back up in terms of the investigation. That makes me think that either Caruso knew that the cufflink was Chaz's and he was trying to maybe protect him or something, or maybe that was them actually trying to set up for a sequel to where that cufflink would come back into play. Um, not really sure what that was going on with that, just because while it came back when they showed that Chaz was missing it, it really never became relevant to the story. So, yeah, just wanted to put that out there. Thanks. Love the show. Bye. Connor, this is an interesting point. Huh. You think he was protecting Chaz. I like that. Because in the beginning of the film, well, then he would have to know that Chaz is guilty the entire time, which doesn't add up. Huh. I mean, was he just walking around like, uh, like... Prince Charming looking to see who fit the slipper? Like, was he hoping to find someone with just one cufflink? I like your thought, but it makes no sense. And I don't mean that to be like an attack on you, Connor. I just mean that it feels like this movie feels, which is like, it's a red herring for no reason, and they don't ever follow up on it. All right, Kevin in Denver, what do you got? Uh, Hey, Paul, it's Kevin. Uh, I'm an a criminal defense attorney here in Denver, Colorado, and I just listened to your Jade episode. Um, and I just wanted to say that uh, district attorneys, at least in the state of Colorado, do in fact go to crime scenes. Uh, they're issued a badge, a gun, um, and yeah, I, I handle several homicides, and, and they do get called to crime scenes. Um, so the whole David Corelli showing up is not that far-fetched. Um, hell, I've even seen a uh, district attorney once try to <laughs> cordon off his own crime scene in the courthouse bathroom, apparently trying to get someone's DNA. So, yeah, um, that that happens. So uh, we look forward to having you back in Denver next time you guys can get on the road again. Take care. Bye. Well, thank you, Kevin. I like a call like this. Thank you for what you do. You're, uh, I appreciate this information. It makes sense. I really want to get into why, why there is a crime scene in the bathroom with DNA. Uh, but okay, okay, I stand corrected. We stand corrected. It just seemed, it seemed intrusive. But you know what? Maybe I haven't watched enough Law and Order. And we will be back in Denver. We will be back everywhere once we can tour again. So thank you, Kevin, in Denver. And we now go to Matt. 
in Chicago. Hey, Paul, this is Matt in Chicago. Uh, I actually have the NC-17 Director's Cut VHS tape. Had it for years in my never VHS collection, just never really had an urge to watch it. So finally popped it in for the podcast. So I want to give you a call in case no one has told you guys about the alternate ending. Uh, the alternate ending in the NC-17 VHS is David Caruso is actually sitting in his car outside of Chad Palminteri and Lyndon Fiorentino's house listening in on them with a long-range listening device and is recording that convo on tape as Chaz Palminteri confesses to the murder and wanting to meet Jade during the next trip to the Bone Zone. And uh, as David Cruz is listening to this, he rewinds the tape, listens to it again, kind of in disbelief. Then as the tape is still playing with that convo, takes his headphones out, goes outside, and walks up the front steps of the house to go inside the house to confront them, cue some slow-moving sexy smoke, fade to black. Uh, it doesn't really help explain much of the movie, but it does at least show you that David Caruso at least finds out that he's been had and is going in to confront them. What happens from there? Who knows? Hopefully there's some fan fiction online people have written, but I've yet to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, the rest of the additional stuff is just, like you said, much more explicit sex scenes, mainly some very aggressive conolingus. Uh, love the show. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for filling me in on this ending. What a better ending. At least it's something, right? so unfulfilling the way it ended um did not like the way it ended um i like what you're saying there and uh aggressive cunnilingus is going to be the name of my my i was gonna say my ska band but it would have to be like it would have to be like aggressive ska lingus so i would just say that's my punk band name aggressive cunnilingus um well thank you matt for braving through the nc17 uh DVD, and I'm glad that there's an ending there that at least is a little bit more fulfilling, even though not much. Uh, back to the boards, Johnny Unusual writes from the IMDb trivia. Friedkin admitted he virtually rewrote the entire script, but Friedkin also said this film was his most favorite film that he ever made. That is insane. He made To Live and Die in L.A., Sorcerer, The French Connection, and The Exorcist. Seriously, see Sorcerer. I have not even heard of Sorcerer, but yeah. I don't understand why this was his favorite. I only imagine this was his favorite because he's an old Hollywood director at this point. He's like, let's fucking make a weird sex movie. I love it. You know, I feel like there's like that kind of freedom in those films or in this film. I feel like it like it's dirty enough to feel fun for this. Oh, yeah, I'm still with it. I get what the kids like to do. They like to fuck. Ryan says, writes, one thing that wasn't brought up about the parade chase was that part of San Francisco is grid-like and doesn't have too many crazy, curvy streets. Caruso, seeing that the driver had gone down the street that was having the parade, could have driven around to the following intersection and cut that guy off, especially as it looked like the celebration was relegated to that one stretch of road and not any other parallel streets. It could have saved the viewer four minutes of this nine-minute chase. (laughs) All right, let me tell you something, Ryan. Um, I read something that Friedkin's whole point of view was this was the joke. The joke was, it's not like a French Connection style car chase. But you know what? Did not work. And uh, yeah, I don't believe that David Caruso knows anything about San Francisco uh, driving. I feel like David Caruso, his character secret was that he's an actor who just showed up in San Francisco. Um, All right. So many great corrections and omissions this week. So many good ones. I don't even know where to go. I, I think, hmm. I, I think I want to give it to, I was going to give it to our friend um, who is in Denver, 
who tells us that we were totally wrong, but I really want to give it to Dr. Guts for paying attention. Dr. Guts is letting the show pay off for him or her or they. And I will say this. Thank you, Dr. Guts, uh, for watching and remembering because we need more people like you to draw these parallels that we forget about. So this theme is for you. People of Earth. You win nothing. Thank you, Garrett Parker. That's right. Your your winnings were in the form of that song from Garrett Parker. So you know what? I used to say you win nothing, but you did. You got something special from our friend Garrett. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Ho, 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 yeah. It is now time for me to sit down with my good friend, Jason Manzoukas, for a little something I like to call Quar Chat. Quar Chat, it's the meeting of minds. Quar Chat, for these miserable times. Quar Chat, it's just Jason and Paul. Quar Chat, they're gonna tell you it all. Thank you, Francis Day. Jason, we have missed a week of Quart Chat. People were upset, and I was too, because... You know what, Paul? Fuck them. <laughs> Here's what I have to say to that. You know what? Good. I'm glad you guys were upset because now it's even so much sweeter. Here we are, Quarchat, baby! Back, back in business. And you know what? Uh, I've had some more time to dig into some things because... Oh, yeah, what do you got? Um, well, I'm just... I'm now alone. I am alone. Oh, that's uh, right. Uh, I have been without my, my wife and children uh, for the longest period I've ever been without uh, my wife Holy and children. Holy shit. So, yeah. Um, that explains times. why you're wearing one of those hats that has two beer cans in it with a straw that goes to your mouth. Well, yeah. First of all, I was able to put up my And you arm. keep you keep asking me on Zoom for high fives. Yeah, because that's what we're broing out, man. Um, I took down all that stupid art that June has. I put up pictures of my trucks. I put up, uh, you know, and and look, there is one. That's the thing that I love about you, man, is that like you're so prolific in comedy. You're so well known yeah, as yeah, a writer, yeah, an actor, yeah, a director. Yeah, yeah. But at the heart of it, you're a fucking gearhead, bro. Dude, I love to get under the hood and start messing around in there, man. <laughs> it makes me think I'm messing around in my own head. How does I make my own brain oh, work, bro? I mean, what is a truck bro other than an external brain you can take apart and yes. put that together oh i'm god when i'm working on my my big my rig out there and by oh, the way yeah. i do have a rig i i don't i uh i have a like tractor trailer hubs that's what i those are the so trucks that i drive around so smart <laughs> that's what i want i want to be that guy like i i have just the front end of like optimus prime <laughs> that that <laughs> I would love it if you're like your um, splurge, you know, because like there'll right. be people who like, you know, a, at a certain point they splurge and buy themselves a sports car or yes. uh, some some sort of, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, not a car that doesn't necessarily make day to day sense. Um, I would I would love it if yours was an 18 wheeler. I, and 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 I drove it and I was so proud of it. You know, <laughs> we're you gonna know, need I, a bigger parking spot for Paul. He's <laughs> arriving in a tractor truck. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, like you and I have talked, you have a car, like, you know, you are, you have, I have a, an old car. You have an old car and it's yeah. a, it's a great looking car. Um, but I feel like there's no, uh, pomp and circumstance around your car. Like, it's like, you like this, this is what yes. you do, but. Uh, I, I mean, the a- pomp and circumstance is that I get like 11 miles to the gallon. <laughs> it is. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating something truly awful. It's like not a good look. Well, but, but otherwise it is. Yes, it is. It just it kind of is operating in the background. It's not flashy, I would say. It's an enviable car because you look at it and you go, I like that. Now, you and I have a, a friend and we don't we'll get into any of these specifics, but he had one of those purchases. And he's like, I'm getting this car. And I was like, oh, my my buddy Jason has that car. And. I found out that basically he was getting like the $150,000 oh, version of that car, which is sure. like, well, it's it's basically the body, but it's going to be on a hybrid uh, engine. Yeah, and no, there's a bunch a of people who are doing that now. There's a, especially out here. There's yeah. a, so we're, what we're talking about, I drive a Toyota Land Cruiser in 89. Okay. I don't want to blow up your spot. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I think I talked about it on something else. So I, it's, it, it exists. I feel like it, yeah, it was out in the um, world, but I didn't know. Um, no, no, that's fine. I appreciate it. But um, so now there are there are all these companies who are doing who are retrofitting them, who are like kidding them out to a degree that is like wild. I don't know anything about cars. I don't I don't work on my car. I don't do right. anything. My car is just my car is as it was released. You know, I think yeah. I've re- I replaced the radio at one point with the same radio as before. It just is what it is. But right. you can get them really souped up and really and given exactly what you're saying, hybrid engine and all that stuff. But then it's like 150 grand, and that's yeah. preposterous. And it and it's also not really the car. It's like no. it's like the way that Magnum had like the uh, the Ferrari well, shell. Well, let me be on clear. That is that is that is Robin Masters' Ferrari. Ferrari. So, it's it's not right. Magnum. So so sorry. I am so <laughs> so sorry. You know, we on Black Monday. One of the bits, the joke of the the first season, really, was that uh, Cheadle's character drove uh, a Lambo Limbo, which oh, is wow. uh, a part Lamborghini, part limousine. So they had to create. Huh. This car, and they did an amaze, uh, an unbelievable. Wait, is it job. based on a real car, or is no. it existed, or no? It's a fake. Okay, got it. But so many people that watch the show is like it's real because you will see it in the show. It drives. It is. Yes. It is a giant, and and we shoot scenes in the Lambo limo. So Ooh, it's that's like so cool. You know, it's it's fully. Um, it's not like Robin Masters' car. Like it. Yes. You, it is. It is really done. It is functional. And yeah, it is functional. And what we've been able to do, I guess, was they brought it onto a uh, a soundstage one time, and they shot it against the green screen, so they were able to shrink it down. And so you'll see it throughout the show, driving around streets in New York City. It looks it's pretty it's pretty great, but it goes and, and so they shrunk slow. it down to be like how big like like, uh, like about eighteen inches eighteen yeah. inches oh like a matchbox car <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's very hard to see. Oh, and and I will yeah. say this, uh, not that this is totally off track, but I will say um, one of my favorite things is uh, Black Monday is a Sony show, which means, I guess on some level, anything that Sony has shot, they have access to get like footage from. So oh, okay. um, we, I was watching an episode and I go, oh my God, that's... Ecto one from Ghostbusters. I know this uh-huh. shot. I know Funny. this exterior shot, and it was it was the footage from Ghostbusters, and they just put our car 
in the oh, that's it's so going across funny. the bridge. That's so smart. Yeah, it's so great because it's like they need a certain era, which is just New York City in like eighty nine, eighty eight. So that's when that movie hit. So I, I love looking to see what movie did we steal? What it. did they pull? <laughs> what are they? Yeah, oh, that's so, that's so smart though. That's where I'm so like I'm into like that use of like a digital effect to help yeah. sell a very practical thing, which is this car that they've built or whatever, right? You know, and it's like it also. You can never recreate like a crowded sequence like that in the yes. right way. I mean, that's always the hardest thing. It's like there, I do give like, I love that idea. Like, oh, we got to shoot it this night or whatever. Like, cause you are in the middle of something real. It's just whenever you try to like recreate that, it always looks so janky. Any press conference yeah. you ever see in film is always like, never looks this. It's either too organized or not enough attended. Uh, it's so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> It very much. I agree. No, I was at Helm's Deep. And when I was at Helm's Deep, yeah. it was packed. Now, when you see in the movie, it looks good. Yeah. But it wasn't like how it was that day. I mean, it was orcs rising from. Uh, Listen, from, I remember when Gandalf returned, uh, you know, late in the yeah. fight. And I was like, oh, shit. Thank God Gandalf is here, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Um, Jason, there's been so much stuff going on. And. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Let's spoil everything. Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Boom. You heard it here. Bruce Willis has been (laughs) dead the whole time. That is in the sequel to Hugh Jackman is twins. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just spoiling all the spoilers. By the way, I just wanted to see Hugh Jackman in a remake of Twins when you just said that. Uh, Uh, Hugh Jackman is Twins, and it's just Hugh Jackman. He plays DeVito. Wait, is it DeVito and Schwarzenegger? Yeah, DeVito and Schwarzenegger. Oh, my gosh. Bad to the bone. Bad. Oh, <laughs> oh, George Thurgood and the Destroyers? Yeah, oh, man. It was like, that was like them walking out of the, the bathroom, both in khaki pants with a tucked in white T-shirt with a jacket <laughs> over the shoulder kind of look like, oh, oh man. Uh, there's so many, like, I was just, we just did um, Princess Bride on Unspooled and Danny DeVito was supposed to be the Wallace Shawn character in that. Oh, I could see that. I could see it, but it, Wallace Shawn is so much better. I mean, oh, I, and, agree. And I love Danny, Danny DeVito, genius, but there is something so. I, I mean, just watched the two, I just watched Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile. Ooh, I was going to. Um, yeah. So good. So, I mean, Romancing the Stone is uh, just like incredibly good. Jewel of the Nile, not so much. But okay, Danny yeah. DeVito uh, is fantastic in both. Um, just exceptional work. I That's a movie that I really want to revisit. And I feel like with Amazon Prime lately, there has been so many of those movies that like pop up. You're like, oh, this is not on the top of any list. Oh, I'm that watching I want. all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get on this track with you because, I, well, this is one of the things I was going to recommend. It kind of yeah. ties perfectly into this. I've been reading that Mike Nichols book by Mark Harris. Oh, yeah. It, which is phenomenal. And there's nothing to spoil about it. It's just a really well-written biography and um i i especially for people like us who come out of the same type of background that mike nichols came out of not background in terms of childhood but background in terms of 
improv comedy, comedy theater, like theatrical presentational comedic performance is our yeah. back is, is where we started from. You know, there's a lot of overlap. I, I've also been listening to the audiobook of it. Uh, I just Same. I'm still at the pretty much in the beginning chapters, though. But it, it is like he, they're talking about a world that I feel very much uh, I, I can see parallels to our our lives. Well, first of all, let me say thank you for opening up my world to audiobooks because I have now been supplementing my reading with audiobooks. Yes. And man alive, it makes a huge difference when I'm walking the dog, I'm listening, like, I'm just, I'm all in. I'm, I've almost like given up podcasts for a little bit and just really dived into because I'm just enjoying getting it's into It's fun. Books. It's fun to be, especially a book that, you know, you can come in, like I, you know, is, books that you can come in and out of. Like I would not yes. do an audio book for a complicated like thriller no you know but for like a the biography or i just listened to the book that is the was the making of goodfellas or the one that was the making of chinatown oh i just got that chinatown one oh wow okay those is books on tape are fantastic because you can it is like a podcast it's like you can listen to a couple of chapters put it down pick it up and you're not like wait who are these characters again wait what's going on it's just a lot easier to to kind of track and and it's easy to i i listen to a lot of audiobooks while I'm doing a puzzle or yeah. puttering around the house doing, you know, the way I do it, similar to what you're saying with the way I do podcasts. You're just kind of popping around. Like, I, I will say this, though, about the Mike Nichols book, and, and we can revisit it later, too, because I just feel like that book, at the end of the day, taught me more about, like, acting, writing, and directing because what they really did in it, and uh, again, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just saying that, like, the people that they talk to it's not always the people that you think that they would talk to. It's like, uh-huh. oh, we're going to talk to this set designer. We're going to talk to this actor who is not Christopher Walken, but played against Christopher Walken in this play. We're mm-hmm. going to talk to, yeah, like you do hear quotes from Jane Fonda and you hear quotes from Paul, uh, uh, from uh, Robert Redford. And those are, I guess, used more sparingly. And I think where the the book really lies is in all these like, side relationships where yes. it is like, oh, I ran that theater where he put up a remake of, yep. you know, uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf with him and Elaine May. And yep. this is what I saw. And this is this. And and there's so many like of these, I guess the people he interviews, everybody has like, oh, Mike Nichols told me yeah. X. Mike Nichols told me Y. So it's a book full of these beautiful like tips well, he's on writing, someone acting, who and was like he was someone who was very involved continued to be very involved in acting and directing on a theatrical level like i remember he, at one point the magnet theater in new york operated out of a teaching facility their teaching facility yeah. was on the same floor as the mike nichols's acting school right which he started on the side yeah and, ju- and he would teach classes there and like julia roberts would come in and teach like he was just like i'm gonna do this thing yes. it's not about you getting a part in my movies it's really just about me yeah. wanting to workshop material and continue that's really- to exactly work on this stuff and that and and be giving, you know, giving teaching throughout. You know, he's such a, he and Elaine May, I'm, a, I'm obsessed yes. with, and which uh. is, this is another, uh, this is a great opportunity to, to plug a parallel, uh, uh, not a parallel, but a friend of podcast. Uh, uh, Blank Check has announced they're going to do the films of Elaine May. Oh, um, amazing. I think in April. Okay. I think it's in April or maybe it's in May. Maybe it's actually in May, oh, that's in May, and May or it's something it's April or May because it's, you know, it's a new leaf. It's Mikey and Nikki. It's Ishtar. It's 
and then I'm forgetting the other two. Um, so they are phenomenal movies. They are. She is like absolutely one of the most incredible voices. So I, for our listeners, yes. get into the Mike Nichols book, get into the Mike Nichols canon, but then also jump on, jump over to Blank Check yeah, well, for the Elaine what, May movies. Um, well, that's I just, what, yeah, go ahead. Oh, guys, that's what kind of brought me to to thinking about this when you're saying at Amazon because there's so many holes in my Mike Nichols knowledge yeah. of what, like, I'm like, oh, I've never seen Heartburn with Jack oh, Nicholson yeah. and, you know, and yep. I just started watching Meryl that Street, the other night, right? Meryl Streep. Great. And like, there are these movies that I've seen a lot of Mike Nichols, but not all of Mike Nichols. And so it's like, I'm going to oh, blank, wow. I'm going to blank check it again because Heartburn is a Nora Ephron script. Right. And based on a Nora Ephron book and blank check this year during quarantine did Nora Ephron. And I just listened to all of the Nora Ephron episodes and have been watching Nora Ephron movies, which Uh. is so if you want to not just kind of if you want to both dig into like the Nora Ephron oeuvre, which is, you know, incredibly smart, thoughtful rom-coms. We're talking when Harry met Sally, you've got Mail, Sleepless in Seattle. Um, But then also all of these, you know, other movies like Heartburn, which she just wrote but didn't direct. And then... um, uh, the movie with Julie Kavner where she wants to be a stand-up comedian. Oh, a comedian. stand-up comic. Yeah, they talk uh, about that an, in this. Is it yeah. A New Life? Yeah, A New Life. And, you know, it's so interesting because, yes, oh, yeah, like Mike Nichols traveled in all of these yes. worlds as well. And so what you also start to see is like this is a small cabal yep. that they all were like, oh, would you direct this movie? Oh, I'm going to develop. Like Mike Nichols was going to direct Chinatown and he decided yep. he wasn't going to do it and he moved to right. Like Mike Nichols is like, Mike Nichols in many respects the book, I mean, paints a picture of a, a very jagged career. And it's a career that in many ways, like Elaine May should have been given as many chances as Mike Nichols. Because oh, absolutely. For every whiff that Mike Nichols makes, and he makes a lot, mm-hmm. there is a tremendous upswing on the next one. It's like, you know, yeah. so, you know, for every uh, Gary Shandling's What Planet Are You From, there's a Silkwood or there's a, you know. <laughs> and by the way, when you get to that chapter, yeah, I didn't know anything about Same. That. Yeah, I don't uh, and I want, and it's really fascinating. And oh, I mean, cool. And it ends, you know, it, basically the end of his life is him directing Spamalot. Yeah, you know, which I didn't, I forgot that he directed fucking Spamalot. Yes. Oh yeah, and, yeah, totally. And and you know, and 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 then doing closer with like Portman and that movie I really liked when I saw it. I hadn't seen it in a while, but I like there is something about this moment and going. I just read this book. I feel so like I'm so excited. And I just had seen Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf this year. And I never had seen that before, and I was like. I just wanted to like just plow through those movies and just like watch them all. And I love that like they're all right there and they all are. Well, and most on uh, most of the Elaine May movies are on Prime as well. Oh, that's great! Uh, I know at least Mikey and Nikki. I have my Mikey and Nikki and, uh, Criterion, um, a new leaf. Oh, nice! Oh. Uh, are all there? But that's what you talk about that, which I really love. Because I feel like, again, not to like be constantly drawing parallels to our own lives, yeah. but there is such an element of the our peer group, oh, um, absolutely. which is similarly constructed in that, you know, I would say a, a lot of our um, careers, while they ha- have been in their kind of ascendancy, have been bolstered by um, working with each other to help each other make stuff, get stuff done, et cetera. Like there is yeah. such a... 
They come out of they come out of ensemble theater the same way that we do, and their application of it into um, primarily film, but in un, into other mediums is enviable. It's really it's impressive. Well, I you know? mean, I couldn't help. There's two books that I've read recently that both brought this like feeling up in me about what we have done. And I think a lot of people could relate to it as well. It's like, I think whenever you have a, a strong community, but one was meet me in the bathroom. That oh, would be yeah, about great. like the music scene. It. It, like that was to me running parallel to what we were doing in New York. In well, comedy. it literally that, that book, literally. I loved that book. It literally is a, it is a story that is existing in the, in just at the exact same time we were doing comedy in New York. Yeah. Across the bridge in Williamsburg, all of these bands were happening. And I it's mean, like, yeah, they were our peers. Like I knew a lot of those people in those, bands like well, that yeah. was cool you know it's, it's so crazy to think that um <laughs> you know i was laughing at this like i my kid uh was going to preschool out here and i can say this now because i know that this person's not there but you know we there were always these like uh carnivals and stuff that we would do once a year at the preschool and uh, i remember being in new york city and watching the yeah yeah yes feeling oh, like sure. i love the yeah yeah yes and then my son's uh preschool a handful of years ago there's karen o on stage oh, yeah. doing songs that like, and I don't go to like a fancy ass preschool. Like I'm not like, no, no, I'm I not like a Hollywood. Awesome. Yeah. Um, like there's a, my friend, <laughs> my friend goes to Beyonce's preschool oh, and wow. Beyonce put on a fucking show. Wait, your friend goes? So your oh, friends sorry, sorry. are the preschooler? <laughs> yes, and I'm where I really want to talk about. Oh, oh well, that's this not is... weird. It's not aye, weird. Aye, aye. I don't speaking know. Speaking of this. which, speaking of which, have you gotten into that uh, Pharaoh versus Allen? I haven't watched yet. No, Whew, that's it's, yeah. It seems yeah. intense. It is. It is. And I actually, I mean, it's only uh, by the time you listen to this, there'll be two episodes out. But it is. Uh, it's intense. It's a very yeah. intense. Interesting. I haven't watched that, and I haven't watched the Tiger documentary, the Tiger Woods. Documentary. Oh, I heard that's interesting as well. Yeah. Um, uh, but I will because they're both supposed to be terrific. But I gotta, I gotta dig in. But I, at the end of the day, I do find myself. And I don't know if this is just approaching a year in isolation where I'm at the end of the day, instead of wanting to put those on, I'm much more likely to be like, you know what I'm going to watch tonight? MacGruber. Absolutely. Or, I mean, that's you know, like Barb and Star was. Barb and Star. Oh, fantastic. I watched that movie twice. I liked it so much. Loved it. Loved I don't know if it. I said it on the show, but I'll say it again just to repeat myself. Uh, a friend of mine described it in the best possible way. He said, it is a Muppet movie without Muppets. Yeah. And I was like, this, it is. It's, I mean, and that's the highest comp. I mean, like I agree. a good Muppet movie. I'm no, not no, saying, I yeah. agree 100%. It really, it is such a, it is such a rare and specific tone that they fucking nail. It is so silly and yeah. full of such absurdity and, and, and nonsense, but still so compelling and so fucking funny. I, and I'm not talking out of school. But I don't know if you heard this either, but, you know, they've been doing a lot of press. And obviously, they were talking about how Bridesmaids had a lot more yes. fun elements that they kind of grounded and, and kind of took out. But the thing that was really shocking was Annie Mumolo, who is, um, I don't know the different, Barb, or I think that's Star, mm -hmm. or maybe it's Star. Uh, Who's Kristen's co-star. Yeah. Yes, and, and writing partner, and they wrote Bridesmaids together, and they did this together. Um, she wrote Joy, that David O. Russell movie. And oh, wow. she alludes to... It being one of the worst experiences in a oh, professional yeah. career and, and, and how that script was so taken away from her. And she, and, and this, these are all major print interviews. So I'm not talking out of school. She just basically says, like, I can't talk about it because people say it will wreck my career. But just wow. know that 
I had no control over wow. what you saw. Like, yes. it's, you know, and I feel like they both are, and I love them. I, I, I think Kristen Wiig is not only one of the sweetest, but funniest uh, people. I, just, yeah. I went and saw, this is one million years ago. I was in LA before I lived here. I lived in New York. Mm-hmm. I came to LA. Maybe I was here for pilot season or something. Someone brought me to a Groundlings Sunday Company show. Uh-huh. Just as though there was no UCB here yet, there was no there was we didn't have a footprint here. Right, but Groundlings was like the place, and so we went and saw the Groundlings Sunday Company. The show was like two and a half hours long. It was yeah, so so long. so long, and it was I'm gonna not lie, not good. Yeah, it was not good. No. But there were four sketches that were like transcendently good. Only because Kristen Wiig was in them, who I had ju- who I was seeing for the very first time. Wow! And was it literally was one of those moments where you're like, oh, just obviously that person, right? And like six months later, she was on S. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's no, a, but I, I maybe, remember. But a yeah. short time later, she was on SNL, and I was like, that is the woman that I saw at Groundlings. She is exceptionally talented. I remember there was a thing that was going on with her when she got hired for SNL. It was sort of this idea of be undeniable. Like she got on SNL. It felt like not only did she like, I don't know what she was writing, but she definitely came in with like 15 home run characters. And she was just on Stern and was talking about how she auditioned, didn't get it. And then they called her like. I don't know, three months into the season or some, they yeah. called her some months into the season and said, get on a plane, come here. So she wow. is mid season, an SNL mid season casting, which wow. is fascinating. So she is of the generation. She's of the class essentially of, uh, I think Sudeikis and Hader and that yeah. crew, but she starts staggered a little bit after them, which, well, blew I mean, my that's mind. how like, that's how like Rachel Dratch, I remember started like two episodes before the end of the season that she was oh, on. I didn't like, know that. Yeah. I remember cause it was like, I remember being in McManus in New York and everyone's like, Oh, Rachel Dratch is going to be on. Like it was like a oh, big cool. deal. Like she got on the thing. Uh, there was something I was going to say about, uh, Barb oh, and Star. Well, no, an embarrassing story about me and I'll just oh, share great. it because so I also went to go see the Groundlings Sunday Company after I lived in L.A. And this is before, I don't know, I feel like maybe I'm like an old man here, but I feel like pot Jolly Ranchers were kind of newish. <laughs> like they were kind of a thing that was like, yes, like I, I knew about pot cookies. I knew about pot brownies. No, I agree with you. There was a definite thing when it was the 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 edible Jolly Rancher was the only like new edible thing. Like yes. it was like everybody was like, it's it's Jolly Ranchers. Did you have a Jolly? Have you had one of those Jolly Ranchers? Yeah, it, it was the thing. So I had one, and I remember the person who gave it to me was like, "Don't don't eat this whole thing. Like right. put it, like suck on it for like five minutes, and then like wrap it, rewrap it, and you'll be good." So I did do that. <laughs> um, and it was a Sunday night company show. Oh no! And June and I went. June did not have any of the pot. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Okay. Um, and I went, Jason. I, I never laughed harder in wow. my life. I sat there, tears were rolling, like rolling oh down my, my face. I could. I was like, not only am I the loudest person here but like i wasn't laughing like um like de niro and cape fear like i'm i'm reacting to where the i don't know where the punchlines are you're on your own thing i'm on my own but i'm not like i'm not pulling i guess what i'm saying is i'm not pulling focus i'm enjoying the sketches 
And I, I've like lost, I full on lost control of myself. I mean, it was to a level, to a level I've never experienced. And I was crying, crying with laughter. And I did. And then I also felt bad because I also at that point was like, now I, I don't like, I don't want to be disingenuous, but I couldn't help but laugh. I, I mean, and, and like June got up at intermission and I was like, I have to stay here. I have to like put my head down. I can't move because I can't, I don't even know what I could do, but it was one of the most joyous experiences I've ever experienced. Um, and, and June was like, and, you know, oh, and to, June, to your point, June was like, it wasn't a very good show yeah, at all. You just were like so potted up and dialed in. I oh, love that. Oh, my God. That's it was really. Like, I mean, I, but you're describing me home alone, stoned, watching Letterkenny. Right. You know, like right. literally I'm like my you know what my phone is full of right now? What? Like 45 second long videos of clips of Letterkenny that I'm filming using my camera with me in the background cackling with laughter. All right, I got that I just send show. back and forth to Rob Cordry because we're both obsessed with the show. That it's it, fucking I, hilarious. I got to get on this show. I have not really like smoked weed in quarantine i don't know why well you're alone now so well yeah. i mean i guess, yeah, I, guess I, I understand yeah. why under normal circumstances yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. but now i guess i feel like now off. is your time to like get really stoned late. and watch you know watch all the stuff that you haven't been watching because yeah. the family is around you know yeah. get in get involved with letter kenny get involved with you know what i'm really enjoying is what? the um the very r-rated harley quinn animated series that's One on hbo of my max fa- that show like is shockingly so good. good and it really gets me. Like I feel like yes. I don't know where it's going and I'm like, whoa, oh wow, all right. Totally. I'm really enjoying it. I'm furious that I'm I don't get to be a voice on oh, it. I'm me desperate. Too. I mean, look, I I'm also envious that you get to be a voice on that show, Invincible, that it looks amazing. Oh, dude, good. Invincible is going to absolutely destroy. I can um, I just reread all of Invincible, the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking incredible because I read it in issues as it was coming out forever, but I'd never read it collected like this. And it is so good to read it top to bottom. Mm, maybe um, I'll do that too. Really fun, very All worthwhile right. read. Really incredible storytelling. Uh, Robert Kirkman, even the though best. I dislike him vehemently yeah, as a person, yeah, we talk a lot of shit about him. Yeah, yeah, uh, he's kind of my nemesis. But uh, no, uh, but <laughs> the the book is fantastic, and I'm I'm super stoked uh, for the for the animated show. The animated series is, it is a one hour. It is a drama. It's essentially a one hour animated drama about a superhero. Oh, I can't wait then. uh, Well, you know, I mean, how, how, how much does it deviate from the source material? I am not sure I can say how much, but I think, I don't think anybody will be upset. Okay. I mean, I don't think they're, I don't think they're doing anything that people would think is, monkeying with the right, right, right. what the what the book was you know in other words you I know? mean I think that they should do why the last man as an animated show too in a, a way. million percent it just at it, this point I don't do understand monkey, why yeah like why like why not um well let me bring you to this question go like I love Marvel you know and and, and I think that uh what they do so well and it's like at the tip of the hat because I do not like uh the second Avengers film. And I actually feel like Captain America Is that Ultron? Ultron, yes. Ultron. It's yes. a bad movie. It's a bad movie. And and I and I feel like uh when the Russo brothers did Winter Soldier, they're like inadvertently they're like, this is how you do Avengers. And they're right. like, yep, yep, you're right. But through WandaVision and Endgame, 
they have gone, they have made me go back and watch Ultron because there's so many nuggets that they did not disregard. They actually oh, yeah. make all the shitty choices They're like doing, work. They put them like they, they basically said, like, like a, put it in this clock. It, it what's works. interesting about Marvel, which I really like is, and I think about this as improvisers, you know, when you do a, a Herald, like the improv form, mm-hmm. you start with like an opening uh, you start with an opening, right? And that opening populates the stage with ideas, thoughts, snippets of dialogue, all of this raw material that the rest of the show pulls from. Yeah. And Marvel has done this incredible job of populating their world with sometimes seemingly pointless or not important elements that then... 12 movies later suddenly are very important and meaningful. And it is so rewarding to watch that. Oh, that little element. It's so fun to see Kat Dennings crushing in WandaVision after like relatively thankless roles in Thor films, you know? What they don't do, and this is like, it's hard to kind of explain exactly what I mean, but I mean, not hard, but... They don't throw away anything. Yeah, and they, it's and, super and, economical. And and so for any director who says like, oh, and I I'm, I'm just I, I'm I'm just going off like, oh, I don't want to add that in. Well, Joss Whedon was very public about they made me add this. I didn't want to do this thing, but you need that person there because what he has inadvertently done is making. WandaVision is better because those things are in Ultron. Mm-hmm. That you know, and and yes, Thor, Dark World is shit, but. We're not going to give up on any of these movies. We're going to say, "Hey, that was interesting. We'll bull- we'll pull them in, like a comic book too." Uh, that that maybe didn't work, but we can we've established. Well, it's like yes, it's like it's they're basically like honing something. Yes. they're like our first strike at it was clumsy and didn't quite land, but we have a second shot here. We have an opportunity to kind of hone this idea or slightly come at it from a different angle. That's going to be more rewarding for these characters. Letting letting. Uh, Wanda from from the you know Sokovian you know um, yeah. twin who was being fucked with in Ultron two the Wanda Maximoff we see in WandaVision like th- I feel like that it, th- they've like grown that character from one to the other in a way that feels effortless you and, know and like and then mixing in the Fox Quicksilver with uh, yes. you know it's oh like, yeah they they are it's smart it's smart it's well thought out one of the best illustrations of it to me is that um and they reference this in one of the recent wandavisions is that paul bettany who was just the voice actor for jarvis yeah then many movies later becomes the physical embodiment of vision when the ai jarvis is put into the vision's body that's incre- that takes planning that's saying okay this you're going to be just a voiceover actor in a bunch of movies and then in six movies you're going to become a physical character and by the way i mean that's the way they kind of introduced thanos too like yes. you know with uh, like i think josh brolin or you know like totally. they had, you know it's like there's a patience that they can that they can give and and now they really run the game. It's like just get on board, sign on, you know, and and you are now you are a human 
representation of a comic book character. And why wouldn't anybody want to do that? Because it's sort of like you can be used. It's like I love I love seeing uh, Randall Park, you know, like come from mm-hmm. his, you know, Ant-Man world into this world. It's like, yes, that's what makes I don't know. That's what makes comics fun. That's I was going to say exactly that. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, both in features and in TV, feels the most like comics to me. Yeah. Feels the most like you know, if you want to, if you're enjoying WandaVision, please pick up Tom King's vision book. Oh, you know, um, so good. Please pick up Tom King's vision book because what was so spectacular and so exciting about that book when it came out was how different it felt to other stories inside the Marvel storytelling machine. The same way that the Hawkeye book. Um, that is that is going to be my understanding is partially the basis of the Hawkeye TV series for that that book is also a departure for how we understand Hawkeye right and that's what Marvel understands so well is that they can tell stories inside of the main storyline in which these people are their kind of um, prototype heroic elements but then off to the side, they can tell all these kind of weirder, more interesting stories, but still use those characters. The idea that, like, you, here's what's interesting. Here's what's fascinating to me. They are so bold, Marvel, at this point, that they are spending tens of millions of dollars to make a TV series, WandaVision, that you cannot watch without having seen the movies. You mm-hmm. can't. You literally, you cannot pick up the show and watch it unto itself. It would make zero sense. So they're presuming, this is so crazy, they're presuming an incredible amount of foreknowledge to understand the events of this show, which are very confusing. It's comics. It's incredible. Well, and that's, and it it pays off. Like, like I think that... You know, as as film fans, and this is why I think a lot of times when people are like, oh, I don't like superhero movies, like, yeah, I get like what your issue might be, but you have to look at what nobody has done this. Nobody has done anything near this. Like you can say, well, James Bond has X amount of movies. Yeah, that's standalone adventures that have no true like it's not telling a greater narrative no this is multiple characters multiple words multiple styles of telling stories you for every ant-man there's you know there's a thor for like there's there yes there's styles tones so many even inside of thor you get to have a, a complete arc of like unsuccessful maudlin kind of thor yeah and then with ragnarok it like they are they're so smart to be like you know what this kind of isn't working what if we change our understanding of thor and let him be comedic boom it works and then they drop thor and guardians is going to be the next movie but that's not the third guardians movie i think that's just going to be the 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 next that's Thor: love and thunder yes Yes. so it's like like there is this thing. Well, the same way that Civil War is an Avengers movie, but it's a Captain America movie. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and that's, um, like, and that's what's so kind of like I don't know. And I think as a fan, and when you look at like uh, Captain America and uh, Winter Soldier, like oh, this looks like I'm excited. That looks like a lethal weapon. I'm like, let yeah. me see, let me see that now. Let me see a lethal weapon in this world, and that you don't have to make it for everybody, but a buddy cop. Like a show like that, a midnight run kind of a a hundred percent. And that's what Star Wars should be doing. Hard agree. Yeah, hard agree. I mean, yes, that's you're absolutely right, and that's that's what would be exciting. You know, it's what makes 
It's what makes comics exciting to me. It's why I enjoy comics so much. Like, just I've been reading so many comics during this time because it allows you to like deviate from those stories, you know, exactly. and 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 f- exist within those worlds, but like be telling side stories and be exploring a character, you know, because I know they're doing um, a She-Hulk show now with Tatiana Maslany. Yeah, oh, I've wait. been rereading Dan Slott's oh, She-Hulk run. Oh, that's a great run. run. Which oh. is just fantastic. It's so good. Um, but I'll say this. Everybody wants, and it's a good lesson in all of this stuff too, which is like, everybody wants the Marvel Universe within two movies. And you have to go back and go like, Iron Man started in 2008. Iron Man 2 was not that good. You know, Iron Man 3, I really liked, but it wasn't the same. Like, you know, it's like they launched, I, you know, they've launched a world and they've given patience to these characters and they built it out. And you got to remember the beginnings of all these things are very, you look, we finally got Superman or we, they finally got uh, Spider-Man, right? They finally got it. Like, they, like, and by the way, like like the, I love the, yeah. But right now it's like, this is what it should have been in a way. Like, I mean, and I love, I I love the Tobey Maguire uh, ones, but Especially I don't. You don't like the Tobey Maguire one. I, I mean, I like the first one. But I, liked, yeah, but I like I the will, Doc Ock one a lot. But, but yeah. I would like, but for me, mm-hmm. the Spider, the Tom Holland, John Watts Spider-Man is... Oh, that's Spider-Man. The, is Spider, is live action Spider-Man. Yes. Now, you know, Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie ever. Yes. Um, and oh. is perhaps the best superhero movie ever? Question mark? I yeah. think, maybe. No, I agree. Um, in my opinion. But, um... But how uh, complicated is that fucking movie? Like, you know, if you've never incredible. seen it, I mean, like, imagine that. Like, that's another movie that says you got to. Yes. You got to be in on this page. And I have a yep. feeling that the next one will be even more complicated because now is everything is starting to continually. Oh, yeah. Everything's sold. You know, did this. you see they announced the title of the next live action Spider-Man Is it movie? Never Go Home, right? Or is it? Uh, the, I think it's called No Way Home. Oh, No Way Home. Yes. Oh, I cannot wait. Which is a very uh, tough title. That's like, uh-oh. Yeah. Um, I have thoughts on what that might mean. Ooh. But, um, okay, well, look, I haven't seen it. Can you, can, what do you think? My, I, my conjecture is, and it's, I don't know. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like this idea, but they might, because of the multiverse and because of like how this, it sounds like this Spider-Man movie is going to really engage with the multiverse Yeah, by having Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, by having um, Andrew Garfield's Garfield's Peter Parker and all of that. There is a world in which, and I don't like this, Tom Holland could exit the the Marvel Spider-Man connection and that Spider-Man could enter the Sony Spider-Man Venom uh, Carnage universe. Right. And he could be Spider-Man for that world. You see, uh, hmm. I... I, It's a way that Sony gets Spider-Man back. Well, yes. But I believe from the business side of it, I don't think that that's going to... I mean, yes... That is, I think, probably the backdoor thing in my mind. That's what scares me by No Way Home. Like, we're not coming back. (laughs) You see, I think, I think there's a, I think it's like, well, maybe I'm being, I know, like, there's an element, I think that, I think Marvel's going more mystical, right? Uh, Uh I, we, we are, by the time you hear this, we're going to be a week behind of WandaVision. So what we know versus what you know is going to be different, but we have already introduced a mystical element 
into WandaVision. We know yes. that Doctor Strange is shaping up to be the new Tony Stark going forward in some way. Like, I feel like that's what we're kind of the, the place. Well, is also being the set. Doctor Strange movie is the multiverse of madness. Yes. So the, the Doctor Strange movie going into the like, they're really digging in on magic. And what by introducing the multiverse to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what you're allowing for in a good way is you're allowing for characters like the Fantastic Four or the X-Men to come from another universe mm -hmm. so that you don't have to reverse engineer and justify them as, oh, the right. Fantastic They've Four have been, been here. here all yeah. along. Mm -hmm. They've just been operating in the background. You could be like, they are from like a... They're from like, you know, when, when like, do you remember when Jonathan Hickman was telling the story that was, you know, uh, other universes were causing incursions into our yes, universe. Yes, yes, yes. And so there could be a world in which, you know, the Fantastic Four are part of an Earth that is falling apart and they have to be brought into our world. But it could also lead to the departure of characters from the or MCU. the moment, like, they're, like, okay, I have a couple of thoughts on this. First of all, I believe that the Fantastic Four, they're setting up very cleanly to be an organic MCU build okay, because great. I feel like, and I, I, this is me. I don't know any inside information. I'm just saying it as a fan. We hear about the space program in WandaVision from uh, the head of sword. He's like, yeah. Oh yeah, we're doing that. And I feel like, okay, we've set up this world. You see Rambo and she's in an outfit. That's so fantastic for color wise. Yeah. I'm like, that's going to come and it's going to be, they're going to have like it will be an origin story. And I don't think that that will be a bad origin story because I think that uh, or you or it will be like moments after like they did get back. They got I, yeah. I feel like that's how they're going to because that's a big enough family that I think you want to establish here and and be connected to them. But to your point, <laughs> uh, I think No Way Home means a couple things. One, um, I do believe that uh, that Tom Holland could go into the Sony world, but also exist in the Marvel world. So it's also like yes, that's his, his battles with Venom can happen in a movie that don't affect yes. what happens in our world. And the I'm excited that, about that. Like, the same way that like Miles, Morales, all of the events of Spider-Verse take place in his universe. Right. But in the next movie, he could very easily go to go to Gwen's universe, go to Spider-Ham's, like, right. there, he could, you know, there's ways to hop through uh, the multiverse. Right, so I think that there's an element there, right? And especially yeah. if we go, all right, if we go, all right, if, 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 <laughs> if Gyllenhaal and Andrew Garfield exist, those are two different Marvel universes. Yeah. Okay, so we could have fun with who is Bizarro Tony Stark? Does do you get Robert yes. Downey Jr. with a mustache, or do you get like another actor playing that character? You know, you know, because you could actually. Is see that why we heard this um, um, ru this rumor recently that Chris Evans might be coming back to the MCU? Will oh. it be to play a different version of Captain America in a different, yes, a different I, version of a MCU universe? Well, you see, like that's what I kind of like about this. Is it opens up to some like because it also makes some. You can kill people, but they can kind of come back, but they wouldn't come back well, the same way. What's interesting is like, what's interesting is how are they going to deal with Gamora, right? Right. So the Gamora yeah. that exists, the Gamora that is still alive, because Gamora has has died, yeah, and is not able to be brought back. But there, <clears throat> what they did was they brought us the 2016 Gamora, time traveled <clears throat> to present day. So 
she exists in our right. world, but she doesn't have any of the knowledge of, of the, the events of yeah, like, yeah, of the events of Guardians of the Galaxy. So by the way, that's very gonna fast be and super furious. interesting. It's yeah. very Letty, like you know, yes. I mean, in a, in a way. Uh, but yeah, uh, Loki as well. Loki, the Loki that we are gonna be dealing with in the TV series is the Loki that got the Tesseract at the at that in, moment in in the first. 20, yeah, in, in the, yeah, um, in the first one. Yeah, in the first yeah. Avengers. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so that's like that's a different Loki than we saw. You know, like well, that's yeah. interesting. So that's and again, it gets back to this is playful. This is comics. This is fun. This well, isn't like what DC is is like dour yes. and down and gloomy and broody and everybody is blah, except for Aquaman. Yeah, uh, who's poppy and colorful, but it's not. It's I don't know. And it's I just, think again. I think that the the um the 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 Suicide Squad, the Birds of Prey has a little bit of a lighter thing, but it's still yes. in that dark world. I liked Birds of Prey. I like Birds I of it. Prey. Uh, but I was, I'll just give you my one pitch on what I think Spider-Man is, too. I yeah. also believe that it's ta- a, a, a takeoff from this is Spider-Man's coming out party. And I think that Spider-Man may also now have to live an Iron Man life. Because oh, we okay. now have revealed We're, him because to be, we know who he is. Yeah. We know who he is, and that's how the last movie ends. So there's no going home now. Yeah. You are forever. So the, you mean no going home? You can't go back to anonymity. You, yes, you are yeah. now Tony Stark. You yeah. are when you walk out on the street. You are Spider Man. When you put the mask on, you're Spider Man. And what does that mean? Because that we've never really had that spider-man really we have oh, oh in the we play, have. Yeah, yes oh, yeah we have but you know it's it's happened a couple of times and it's led to kind of really interesting things it's happened to both spider-man and daredevil right. in the yes, books yes yes and in both instances like they've required like doctor strange or somebody like that to come and cast a spell to make everybody forget that they know that daredevil is matt murdoch or that they know spider-man and there's there, what is it? Is it um, what's the storyline where basically Peter Parker has to undo his entire marriage to Mary Jane? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, um and basically Mary Jane forgets that Peter yes. is Spider Man. Uh, fuck, and I'm that, forgetting. Yeah. Is it called Bright New Day? One more day. One more day. Thank you. Yes, and it's uh, um, is it Joe Casada? Let me see. Oh wait a minute. Uh, no, it is. Uh, no, no, it, no. The art was by Joe Casada. It was uh, Straczynski. It was? Writer Straczynski and Casada. Hmm. Yeah, it says this is if this, this is the. Let me see. One more day is a four-part 2007 crossover storyline connecting the three main Spider-Man series. Um, Aunt May being think- shot. Spider-Man seeks help to save her life. He encounters Mephisto, who offers to save her life if Spider-Man gives him the uh, gives him his marriage. Spider-Man and his wife Mary Jane agree, and this part of their history is erased, so that effectively they've oh. never been married. And additionally, the demon erases the world's collective memory of Spider-Man's secret identity, which yeah. has been exposed in Civil War II. And the storyline sets stage for a restructuring of the Spider-Man titles, resulting in the cancellation of Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man and the Sensational Spider-Man, with the Amazing Spider-Man revamped as a thrice monthly publication. What year? That was uh, 2007. Okay, so so basically what happens at the end of that is Spider-Man Brand New Day, which right. is Dan Slott taking over the Spider-Man book and telling fucking awesome Spider-Man stories. By the way, and we're, we're setting that up because basically this is the this Spider-Man is revealed at the end yeah. of 
uh, at the end of Endgame. I mean, it's the end. You know, it, it continues on after yeah. Endgame, and and I forgot about that. And it's so interesting that Mephisto is that character inside of that because a lot of people, a lot of the rumor mill type stuff surrounding WandaVision is. Is Mephisto somehow involved in all of this? Yes. Is the big bad? And we're now seeing Agatha Harkness. Uh, Catherine Hahn, I just want to give oh, a particular so shout out. good. Who not only was crushing in every single episode of WandaVision so far, the, we've now ju- the most recent episode was the one where it is revealed that her character is... Did you see the post credit scene, by the way? Did you know they had a post credit scene in that episode? I didn't. Oh, you got to watch it. I won't spoil Wait, it for you. did I see it? I, I didn't know until someone told me. It's very oh, deep into the I credits. If you, oh, okay. There's a, a final scene with, oh, okay. uh, with a, good, a good it. twist. Great. Okay, yeah. perfect. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. great. Um, so she's doing an incredible work and is revealed to be a villain, perhaps the big bad. All right. But there is still a question of, is there a larger you know, Mephisto-style classic baddie that's at work that might be then tied to Doctor Strange, the Doctor Strange movie, because Mephisto is such a part of the Doctor Strange rogues gallery. Yeah, you know? I mean, and this is, I, I, yeah, there's so much to be unpack here. We've had a long talk today, <laughs> a lot of theories, but Jason, this has been great. Uh, as always, uh, oh to my get God. into all of this, uh, you can, while you're uh, while you're home, I'll just tell you a couple very quickly because yes. we've been talking comics a bunch. Just to, not to only be you know promoting Marvel and DC yeah, sure. and so forth. Uh, a friend of the show, Ed Brubaker, who was on our Daredevil episode, Love him. he and his uh, creative partner Sean Phillips have uh, are are putting out because of the pandemic a series of books called Reckless that are like pulpy private detective stories set Ooh. in like the, I think the early 80s or the mid 80s. Or the I did early not know 80s. this, yeah. And he's put out one of the graphic novels. Each of them is its own graphic novel and each of them is like one case of this detective, basically. Oh, wow. It's a fucking blast. It's really pulpy, really fun. And if you are a fan of their other books the criminal series uh the fade out you know like they're they he's just, ed, ed brubaker is just one of the best crime writers in 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 our world yeah, but yeah, in yeah. comics specifically um really liked that really liking rick remender's book scumbag is a blast i got to get more i got to get these rec- by the way just so you know um uh our how did this get made discord is working really really well right now and if oh, you go okay. to uh, if you go to discord discord.gg slash hdtgm there's a section where people are compiling everything that jason and i are talking about in every mini episode so don't put your pens and paper down this will be compiled uh uh there for you to see it so just i want to just say it but yeah yeah uh, no that's great uh this is i want to like write down these oh rick remender's book is a fucking blast it's basically like what if the super soldier serum was given to like the biggest piece of shit on earth oh i love it like what if the super soldier system uh uh, what if the super soldier serum was given to rafi from the league ah by the way essentially what the book is by the way why isn't dc doing red sun like yeah. how good would that be? That they like, did, by the way, they did it as an animated. Oh uh, right! Movie. Oh yeah, I have to watch it. Uh, and it's pretty fun. Okay, it's a, it, I really enjoyed it. But like um, that, like that's what I think the DC should be doing. Like, and that's why like the, they're why, not interested in Elseworld stories, see, you know, except in animation. But that's why I'm like Flashpoint to me feels interesting. It feels like it's ripping off what Marvel's going to be doing too. But Flashpoint to me feels like, oh, maybe you'll start to do some cool shit. Like I like the idea of Michael Keaton coming back as Batman is interesting to me. Yeah, but again. In whose hands? I don't feel like we have a capable 
yes. handle on these characters to like that's a valuable object to give to somebody and uh i don't feel oh completely safe. yeah uh, it's really you know i just think yeah i'm i'm curious they they're doing a good job uh giving interesting writers and artists books at dc mm-hmm. they're not doing a good job mining those books and mining those years of stories to turn into dc what feel like dc movies right like yeah. the dc cinematic universe does not feel like it represents the DC comics uh, canon. Right, right, right. It feels different. It feels like it belongs to Zack Snyder. It doesn't feel like it belongs to DC. I, um, yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does. I, I totally, uh, totally agree with that. All right. Uh, we will be back again and uh, continue talking uh, more and more. So uh, keep track of all of us and we will see you uh, another time. Me and Jason will be back again. We'll, we'll chat it up. Hooray. Now that we got Jade out of the way, let's talk about next week's movie. We are going from Sex Pillows to a an orating feline. That's right. Next week, we are watching A Talking Cat. And guess what? June will not be able to be with us next week. So we have a special guest co-host, and that is the lovely, the amazing, the hilarious Jessica St. Clair. So get ready. I know you missed out on one of her Christmas films. She's coming back to talk about A Talking Cat. IMDb describes A Talking Cat as simply this, a movie about a sassy feline who helps the family solve its problems. Oh, it's that and so, so much more. Let's take a listen to the trailer. What does it say? Duffy. Yeah? But there's no address. So Duffy, what should I do? Wow, you have a really nice house. I like cats. Yeah, he's cool, I guess. Me and my dad were actually thinking about getting a cat. New day to start over. Phil 2.0. You can talk? But only once? I don't make the rules, Phil. You can watch A Talking Cat on Prime Video or check your local public libraries where you can find movies for free. That is it, people. Thank you and rate and review our show. It really does help us. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Visit us on our Discord, discord.gg slash HDTGM. And make sure you visit us on Facebook, too, if you want to do that, or on Twitter. And I want to say a big thank you to Cody, our producer, Cody. She works her ass off, and she still... Makes time for us here. Uh, July Diaz for making sure this show does not repeat itself. Make sure that we keep everything nice and tight. And of course, the master, the man behind the scenes, pulling the strings, the Wizard of Oz himself, our audio genius, Devin Bryant. Uh, a big thank you to everybody who makes this show possible. Molly Reynolds, everybody at Earwolf, and of course, you. Because if there was someone that we're doing this show for, uh, then... Uh, then it would be sad. Anyway, uh, we'll see you next week for A Talking Cat. Bye for now. Just give me 